Hey guys. Hey guys. Welcome. So I had filmed episode two the other day and while I was editing, I realized that it was insanely long. So I decided to edit it down into two videos. This current video that you are watching now, episode two, is a great episode. So here we go. talking about the differences and similarities between primary residence real estate properties and rental properties and how they affect you similarly and differently. Let's just jump right in. I do want to just put out a disclaimer of sorts. Um, I just want to reiterate, I know you guys already know, but I am a real estate agent. I'm licensed in the state of New York. I'm not an accountant, I'm not a mortgage loan officer, I am not a real estate attorney. Some things that I mention here might not be relevant outside of New York State. All of the policies and experiences that I talk about here in these videos are from my experience in New York State. The principles that I mention here are typically general principles or general statements. Your unique situation might be different. I'm not claiming that everything I mention in these videos is applicable to you. The content that I'm sharing in these videos is for informational purposes only. I'm not providing any financial or legal recommendations. I'm just sharing what I've seen in my own personal experience, what's worked for me, what I've seen works with my clients. In upcoming videos, I will be bringing on attorneys, mortgage lenders, bankers, and accountants to speak in greater detail to a lot of the topics that I'm gonna to be touching upon in the first few videos. Okay, it's not really like up for debate that property ownership comes with certain benefits. There are a few main benefits and I'm gonna go into each of them now. Your first main benefit is the property appreciates. So appreciation is the amount of money that a property increases in value over time. Kind of similar to how we have inflation as far as what things cost us, cost of living. Appreciation in the real estate market is similar in that the value of the property is increasing over time. The standard rate of appreciation that I'm gonna use in this video just for the sake of having a conservative estimate of a number is 3%, so 3% appreciation rate is what I'm gonna be using in my examples throughout this video. So what does that look like? What does a 3% appreciation rate look like? Here's a broad example. If you buy a property that's worth $500,000 now and you hold on to that property for 15 years at a standard rate of 3% appreciation, that property could end up being worth over $800,000 after 15 years. That's assuming that it increases 3% a year. That's an average. Every year, your property is not going to go up 3%. Like some years it might go up less and some years it might go up more. Obviously, the market fluctuates. The second benefit of property ownership are the tax benefits, for sure. Tax benefits are things that you can write off, credits that you can get when you do your taxes. I'm going to go into that momentarily. The third benefit of property ownership, this is an asset that someone else is literally willing to help you purchase. You want a million dollar apartment, you don't have to have a million dollars in cash right now to buy it. You can have 
10% or 20% of that overall dollar amount and you will have the help of a bank in the form of a mortgage to help you with the remainder of the purchase price. Another benefit of property ownership is rental income. So if you do have a rental property and you are collecting income on that property, then that's additional income that you're collecting that you wouldn't have if you didn't own that property. Another benefit is that historically, New York real estate has shown to be one of the safest investments that you could make. I'm not giving financial investing advice right now, but if you look historically at the numbers, property prices do trend up and they do trend down at times. But overall in New York, property prices generally overall trend upwards. So that means that if you buy a property now and you sell 15 years from now or 30 years from now, the odds are very, very heavily in your favor that that property is going to be significantly more valuable when you decide to sell it versus what you bought it for. Additionally, while you own the property, it's, it's a very useful thing to have. I mean, it's a home, whether you're living in it, whether someone else is living in it, it's not like a frivolous purchase. It's not like someone might disagree that having a Chanel bag is necessary. It's like you need shelter, you need a home. So this is an asset that is extremely useful to you. Finally, something that I like to tell my clients because I really just like to set a super honest level stage with you guys. So I'm telling you the same thing I tell my clients. Owning real estate and seeing profit is not a get rich quick plan. Anyone telling you that investing in real estate for an average person is gonna be like going from nothing to making millions of dollars in a short period of time, like anyone saying that is over exaggerating the positives and the benefits of property ownership. Owning property is kind of like owning a business. There are things that you need to be looking at to make it profitable. And purchasing property also comes with costs. So there are closing costs to purchase and to sell. There are also plenty of unexpected expenses that come up across the duration of the time that you've owned that property. Things break, anything can happen. You know, you need to go into it with the mentality of nothing is guaranteed. And especially now, like in this world right now that we're experiencing with this pandemic and being in quarantine, it was, this was an eye opener for everyone to see that nothing is promised. There's no guarantees here. No industry is completely safe from anything. But what we do see with real estate is that it is very resilient. It does bounce back. What I love is being able to see a property that I own and it's physically there. Like I see it with my own two eyes. If I want to live in it, I can move in and have shelter. For me, it's one of my most comforting investments. I'm invested in other things, of course. It's important to have a balanced portfolio, but my real estate is something I can see, feel, touch, enjoy, and that brings me comfort. When I say it's not a get rich quick scheme or it's not you're gonna make an insane profit overnight, that's also assuming that you're not in the mindset of purchasing a dilapidated property and doing your own renovations like with your own two hands or your own construction company and turning a huge profit by doing significant renovation, making it look absolutely beautiful and selling it for triple what you bought it for. Like that is not what we're covering here. 
that's flipping properties and I'm not talking about that. That's more of a full-time job. I'm speaking more about properties that you can acquire that are in fine condition already that you would be living in or renting out to someone. This is not necessarily targeted so much to the professional house flipper as it is to maybe a first time home buyer or someone that owns and is looking to move into the investment space or someone that doesn't own anything and is simply looking for an investment property right now. That's really what I'm looking to speak to here in this series. So first, let's talk about the property type that is the most straightforward. That's your primary residence. A primary residence is a property that you live in full time. It's not a weekend home. It's not your vacation home. It's not for sure not something that you rent out to a tenant. In our society right now and the way our taxes and government programs are set up, it's definitely easier, a little bit more accessible to purchase a primary residence, especially if you're cutting it close on finances and you're, you know, like you're not sure if you'd be approved. A primary residence is usually the easiest property type to purchase. There are government programs that actually can help you can apply for and if you qualify for them you can actually take advantage of programs that help you with the down payment also you know once you've purchased property there are also programs for example like the star program in new york that if you own a primary residence you can get significant savings on your property taxes i mentioned tax benefits earlier so for your primary residence when you file your taxes you can actually write off what you've paid in mortgage interest. So when you go to buy a property and you get approved for a mortgage, you're of course that mortgage is not just the price of the principal or the actual home. That mortgage includes interest. So that's how the bank is making money on your loan. They're charging you more than just the amount they're loaning you. You're paying the bank back each month with interest. So whatever the interest is on your mortgage payments every month and you get a statement from the bank telling you what these amounts are at the end of the year when you file your taxes you can write that amount off that was paid in interest you can also write off what you paid in property taxes another great thing about buying a primary residence is that you don't really have to deal with capital gains tax and that's a blanket statement let's say you buy a property for five hundred thousand dollars and you sell it for seven hundred thousand dollars you've made $200,000 in profit. If the property was your primary residence, then you don't necessarily have to pay the tax on that $200,000 of profit. There are exceptions to this. There are times when you do pay capital gains tax. If you have incredible profit on your home and it appreciated so much, you exceed the dollar amount that this benefit covers, then you do pay capital gains tax on the amount over you are in what the limit is. Finally, when it comes to your primary residence, another benefit is that the bank tends to be a little bit more lenient when it comes to approving an applicant for a mortgage, as long as that mortgage is for a primary residence. If you're buying a primary residence, then you're obviously gonna be living in that property. It's different than buying a second home and having the obligation of paying the rent or the mortgage on the place where you actually live. So they see it as a little bit less of a risky investment than if you were to have multiple properties that you own. Keep in mind when a bank is giving you a mortgage, the bank is very, very concerned about their risk and their exposure. So when a bank is approving you for a loan, really that approval process is to protect the bank. I mean, of course, everyone cares about you not coming into financial hardship because you've bitten off more than you could chew. But if you can't afford your loan, 
then who's gonna suffer? The bank is the one that's not gonna get repaid. So for a primary resident, the stakes tend to be a little bit lower as far as the requirements are concerned for what you need to meet to actually get that loan. Banks look at things like debt to income ratio, which means how much of your monthly income is going out into the expenses on this home. If you are spending too much of your monthly income percentage wise, on this home, then you're not gonna get approved for your mortgage. The bank also looks at your credit score and other things to kind of compare and assess how qualified you are as an applicant. Moving into rental properties. When I talk about the principles of having a rental property, in order for these principles to really click for you, you want to think about owning a rental property as owning a business. Having a rental property or having a property that you are renting out to a tenant is owning a business. You need to look at it as if you're looking at a balance sheet. You have income and you have expenses. And that's really important to keep in mind to like set the stage so that if you have that in your head, everything else that I say is gonna make perfect sense to you. In the real estate industry, saying investment property and saying rental property are kind of interchangeable. But for the sake of these videos, I'm gonna try my best to only call a rental property, a rental property, because really a primary residence and a rental property are both investments. So I don't want to confuse people by calling something an investment property. Um, and maybe, maybe they wouldn't know if I was referring to a rental property or a primary residence. I'm going to try to stay away from that term investment property because this entire series is about investing and whether you choose primary or rental, you are still making an investment. So for your rental property, there are also several tax benefits. They're slightly different than your primary, but there still are benefits. And please keep in mind too, again, like I just want to really make sure that you understand that I am not an accountant. I don't do taxes for a living. I am going to have accountants on in these video series to go into more detail. These are just overview topics for now. So when I mentioned your rental property being a business, you are running a business, you picture your balance sheet and you've got income and you've got expenses. So that is exactly how you file your taxes. You file your taxes for your investment property very similarly to how you would file your taxes as a business owner. If you made repairs or improvements to your rental property, you can write those off as expenses on your balance sheet or when you file your taxes, those are expenses. Those actually get counted against your income. Thus, obviously, the more expenses that you have, the lower your net income is and the less taxes ultimately you pay. Something else that you can also write off on your taxes for a rental property is depreciation. Depreciation accounts for part of the loss in value of the property due to age, wear and tear, and basic deterioration. This is a substantial amount of money that it's usually just a standard amount and you can deduct that actually right off the top of any income that your rental property produces. Again, that's a concept that you are best off discussing with your accountant. So opposite of with your primary residence, with your rental property, you do pay capital gains tax. If you sell your property for more money than you bought it for, of course you account into it 
any upgrades that you made, any money that you put into the property. But ultimately, if you net out positive on that property when you sell it, you pay capital gains tax. So whatever amount you were in profit, that gets taxed when you sell the property. There are ways to minimize or diminish your capital gains tax when you sell an investment property. An example of that would be doing a 1031 exchange, which I'll also talk about in more detail later, especially when I get a accountant on with me. In order to make sure that your rental property is going to be an income generator and ultimately net you out, in the green there are obviously many things that you need to look at during the purchase process those are also things that i'm going to go into more detail on later that's pretty much what this entire series is about and those principles obviously apply whether you're looking at a primary or a rental property because you always want the numbers to work out in your favor but in order to make sure that you're accomplishing that you obviously want to make sure that you have a really strong team working with you when you purchase the property so that includes your real estate agent to make sure that they're showing you the most relevant rental properties that are going to cost you the least and bring in the most income. And ultimately they're the ones that are later down the road going to be helping you find that tenant as well to rent out the property. Your mortgage loan officer is going to help you minimize your monthly payments. Like you should be asking your loan officer what the most competitive interest rates are for what you're trying to do and how you can reduce different fees or insurance, etc. Your real estate attorney is a hugely critical part of the purchase process. They're going to review the building with a fine-tooth comb. They look through all of the building policies. They look through the financials. Your attorney is really going to be a critical element in determining the health of the property. There's going to be an entire video dedicated to the due diligence process and I'm going to have an attorney on to do that one with me as well. As for the loan approval process for a rental property, it is a little bit more stringent than applying for a primary residence loan. So like I was talking about before, a rental property is a little bit more risky of an investment. Right off the bat, you're going to be living somewhere, right? So if it's not in your rental property, where is it? You're paying rent or a mortgage elsewhere. So right there, you already have more expenses to take into account. So these are things that the bank looks at. The other thing with rental properties to take into consideration is that there are many buildings in New York that don't even allow renting to a tenant. So if one of my clients tells me that they're looking for a rental property right off the bat, that diminishes the inventory by a substantial percentage. Many co-ops in New York are against subletting. Some have requirements for living in the apartment for a certain period of time before being allowed to rent it out. So really the whole search process is different when you're looking for a rental property. When you get your mortgage on a rental property, you are going to have a higher interest rate than you would if you were buying a primary residence. Usually, and I really don't want to quote this because rates are like all over the place and crazy low and like, I, I don't want to be quoting rates, but typically I believe your interest rate for the rental property would likely be probably like three quarters of a percentage point higher than the primary residence rate. And the reason for that really also is to offset the risk of the fact that this is an investment property, this is a business. It's almost like if you were running a business and you went to an investor and you wanted funding for your business, you would really have to prove to that investor 
that this business is sound and that they're not going to get screwed. That's pretty much why banks have all the policies that they have. They're not trying to get screwed. And due to the nature of the policies of many of the buildings in New York, like I was referring to before with co-ops, for example, requiring you live in the unit for a certain period of time before subletting. A lot of purchasers actually do just simply go the path of least resistance and get a primary residence loan and live in the unit for a number of years before deciding to rent it out to a tenant. Ultimately, that protects them because they are making a primary residence purchase. They do intend to live in the apartment. They get the benefits of being able to purchase a co-op which I'll talk about later, and also being able to get approved for a loan as a primary home. You get to live in and enjoy the home for as long as you want, and then you can always rent it out later. So with that said, which is for you? Are you looking to buy a primary residence? Are you wanting to buy a rental property? Or are you still on the fence? A primary residence is great for someone who wants to have the benefits of owning real estate, but you don't want to own your own business. You want nothing to do with being a landlord. You don't want to work with tenants. You don't want to coordinate repairs. You don't want to work with building management companies. And then on the other hand, a rental property is an investment that someone else literally pays for. Hey, it's the other Christina again, jumping right in here. I'm sitting here editing and I just want to say I'm sorry for how abruptly this episode's ending. It's because I had to divide the one video into two different videos because it was just too long. Bear with me. I promise we'll get better with time, but thanks for understanding. If you made it to the end of episode two, thank you so much. This is so, so exciting. Please let me know what you thought of this video. And I'm really looking forward to the next one. Thank you so much, guys.